but Jesus. I love that song so much. That is Shirley Caesar. Jesus, I love calling your name. And you know, the I enjoy that song, but something else I really enjoy about that is my son, when that, when he hears that song, it melts him, you know, and that is just priceless to see, you know, how which says he loves the name of Jesus as much as I do. And so it's really awesome. And so I, I like dedicating that song to him. And, you know, the Lord has blessed me with uh, two sons, two daughters, two grandsons. And so, you know, it's just awesome. You think about what the Lord has done, what the Lord has done. Well, certainly we thank and praise God for this is the day that the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. I want to welcome you to Inside the Pages, presented by Cornerstone, loaded at, located. <laughs> I'm loaded, too. I've been sitting here listening to the word of God and, and taking care of some business that needs to be taken care of for the Lord uh, prior uh, hours before service started or before uh, this uh, before going live, you know, but we're at, we're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, uh, that is California, and our Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m., Wednesday Bible study, 7 p.m., 
and Saturdays, you'll find us on kkla.com. That is 99.5 if you're in the LA basin. Uh, that's at 11.30 p.m. If you just happen to be up, maybe you're traveling, maybe you're out uh, returning home from date night or something, and you want to hear the word of God, uh, and it's about that time, 11.30, that's 99.5 FM on your radio dial. We believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we are faithful, We're faithful, We're faithful. We are bold. Don't mind taking a stand for God. You know, no one can force you to do wrong. No one can force you to uh, to tell a lie or steal anything. No, we're bold. We're bold not to. We stand in truth. We're we're bold. We believe in honesty and integrity. But we believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the Word of God. And sometimes we have to eat some humble pie on the job. You may not agree, so you agree to disagree, and so you eat some humble pie sometimes. You know, certainly God has presented what he wants us to, uh, to ingest. He said, uh, lo, I come in the volume of the book. And so he wants us to, from Genesis to Revelation, to get a good understanding of what the Lord is saying. So we believe the, the best way, the best way, that there is no other way. There's no plan B, certainly no plan C or anything else. There's only one plan, and that is God's plan. So again, I want to thank you for joining the online service, this Bible study. And, you know, uh, if you're looking for a church home, growth and ministry, we want to invite you to join us, grow with us, and be blessed with us. And we're in the book of Genesis, uh, touching what we refer to as the law of particular. Uh, particularization and so we're moving from the general to the very particular things that exist the three areas the universe earth man and we are touching the creation and the principal per person who is the cause of all things the designing mind behind everything and that is God there's no one greater. There's no one sovereign. He's sovereign. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's nobody greater. He said, if there's another God, I don't know him. So he stands alone. And he know of no other. You know, so if anyone ever asks you, is God sovereign? Yes. Does he have all knowledge? Yes. He's all powerful. He knows everything. So there's no one else like him and no one to be compared to him. We're in the fourth chapter of Genesis. And uh, I pray and hope that your day has gone well. And wherever you are, you know, we're in Southern California. It's a heat wave where so it's pretty warm uh, right now. And it's planned to be warm, as they said, for a little while. And, and so, you know, hopefully you're staying hydrated. You know, drinking plenty of water. If you're fasting, you know, it's important to fast, you know, but don't get out there. If you're fasting, make sure you drink plenty of water. If you have, uh, an, if your employment requires you to be out in the sun, 
you know, stay hydrated with some water, not Pepsi, not a milkshake or nothing like that, with some water. You know, you can consecrate the fast unto the Lord and eliminate the food until your, your hour of fasting are up. But it's important to fast. It's important to consecrate. The Bible said some things come by prayer and fasting. And so we all need to, I'm sure we all need some things uh, to come our way. We need some things to be resolved. And we certainly need wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We need God's guidance. And so fasting is a way of entreating the Lord. Lord, here I am. I'm fasting. I'm not joking around. I'm not uh, doing anything right now. I'm consecrated unto you. While I'm, I'm handling the business at hand, I'm still consecrated unto you, Lord, until the hour is up. Genesis, the fourth chapter, beginning at the 13th verse, it says, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast given me, uh, has driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy faith uh, shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that finds me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of, of Nod and on the east of Eden, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and built a city and called the name of that city after the name of his son Enoch. And uh, Enoch bore Irad, and Irad bore, you know, uh, you go on through the genealogy there of the eighth, uh, eighth verse. We're not, we're going to uh, deal with the, the few verses that have been read uh, leading up to that. And so, um, Bless your Lord Jesus. And so with that, uh, Lord, we pray and ask that you would bless and have your way this evening. Lord God, we pray and ask that you would uh, bless each one that has tuned in, each one that is listening. Lord God, you, you said if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be fed. Lord God, and, and so we're hungry. We're thirsty for your righteousness. Lord, we want what you have to say, not our personal opinion. Lord God, we want what you have for us. You know the need of every individual. Lord God, and so we pray and ask that you would bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember those that are sick. Remember those that are near and far that will tune in later. Lord God, remember, Lord God, and ask that you would bless them. Lord Jesus, with healing, we ask that you will bless them according to thy will. In Jesus' name, amen. Our topic this evening is wait. That's too much. It's too much. It is too much. Have you ever felt what you were dealing with was too much? Now, I know that at some time, and I've been told this before, you know, and it's something about what you're told when you're growing up compared to what you learn as you've uh, matured. Uh, 
you know, that God won't put more on you than what you can bear. He won't. He won't. But we put things up on ourselves. Remember, uh, behavior and, you know, action, consequences, you know, we, we have to remember all of that. It's it, raising children, you know, you might consequence and behavior. You might tell your child, take a coat and they're like, oh, it's hot outside. It's warm. I don't want to take a coat. And you know that the weather conditions are going to change. It's going to get cooler in the evening, but they don't want to. And so uh, what we used to do was, was put uh, the coats in the trunk of the car without them being aware of it. And so if they didn't want to take uh, a jacket with them and they got cold, they would feel the, the cold nip at them a little bit uh, before they realized that, um, that dad was bringing them a jacket to put on so that they understood the consequence. Then they knew that, okay, I can take a jacket and I don't have to put it on right now. But they put the, uh, they had to bear that moment of chill because of what they were doing. And so God will not put more on you than, than you can bear. But we put things up on ourselves, as we um, have read and what we're about to dive into. Now, I've heard this read uh, and I've read it for myself. And the Bible said that there was a man. This man was sick, uh, innocent and afflicted from his birth with blindness. And you'll find it in John 9, chapter Again, at the first verse, and Jesus passed by and he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, uh, that uh, he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither have this man sinned nor his parents but the works of God should be made manifest. Now, I, this is me. I just believe that, that the disciples, when they asked this question, that maybe they were not fully informed and, and knew that he was, you know, he wasn't blind uh, at birth, you know, but that blindness came upon him during the course of his life. Uh, that's just to give them a way out because if, if they knew that he was, born blind because maybe people talked about it and different things and they caught wind of it, you know, heard how this man uh, was born blind, then that paints a different picture. You know, we do some incredible things. We do some unbelievable, remarkable, even ridiculous things. This man was born blind and the question was asked, did this man say it? Well, maybe uh, again, they didn't know the man's history. It still doesn't excuse us from the incredible, the unbelievable, remarkable, and ridiculous things that we do. It's easy to see and accept and understand mercy upon this man, but to imagine a murderer receiving mercy, I mean, you know, we're talking about something pretty heavy here. Uh, there has been shooting. Uh, a female, I recall a female officer shooting a, a young man and before her sentencing, the family told the woman that they forgive her. You know, that's pretty controversial in our damn time to 
tell someone that you forgive them, we know that it released the family from some of the, a little bit of the drama that they were experiencing, the distress, the loss of a loved one. For those that have experienced, we know how that feels when it's even of a natural, what we consider a natural situation, but to at the hand of a murderer, tell them that you forgive them. I remember the uh, church, churches, I don't like using that term body of Christ too much, so I won't say that, use that. I'm just going to say there are some religious groups that was very upset when a minister made the statement that God yet loved Saddam Hussein. They were really outrageous. They were outrageous over the fact that a comment was made um, by Western religious or religious leader that God loves someone that has dropped bombs. Uh, you know, uh, God loves everyone. Now, loving an individual has doesn't mean that you agree with their actions. Let that marinate for a moment. The Bible tells us that he would, that no man would perish. And it's plain when we read the scripture that hell was created for the devil and his angels. It was not created with the intentions of humanity. And so there's a burden that man has placed upon himself. Now, from my understanding, mercy is the compassion or forgiveness shown toward someone by uh, the one who has the power to punish or do harm. Now, I'm fond of mercy. <laughs> I'm fond of mercy. Uh, I didn't say mercy. I, I didn't say mercy who, who lived down the street. I'm fond of God's mercy. Let's be plain about that. Because the Lord had mercy on me. Therefore, if therefore it is easier to have, or should be, mercy upon someone else. I, I heard a dynamic message uh in the month of July, uh, coming from a gentleman that, that that was just really exhorting the word of God. It brought me to my knees, even though I was, uh, I was standing near the back, listening to the message. It was such a humbling because he talked about mercy. He talked about mercy in such a way that he said, you know, we like to hold things against people. We, you know, they, they owe me an apology. And maybe you've been there where you felt someone owed you an apology. I have. I, I thought that someone owed me an apology. And by all the, the evidence of things, you would have probably agreed with me. By the time this man finished talking about mercy, and he, he went down the path of saying, as Jesus said on the cross, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, we heard Deacon uh, Stephen, uh, when they stoned him and, and ran up on him and bit him, uh, he said, forgive them. Don't lay it to their charge. Well, that convicted me. <laughs> it opened my eyes up that we as individuals should never lay anything to anyone's charge. Uh, we could even claim, well, they know what they were doing. 
when they understood the, the, what they were saying, they understood how they were acting. Well, you know what? I'm going to do like Jesus did because what he did for me and the same as what he has done for you is to not lay it to your charge. He didn't lay it to our charge. And so mercy, I'm fond of mercy and we have to give mercy to others. Matter of fact, Mark, the 11th chapter says, therefore I say unto you, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And church roars, hey, man, oh, I can believe what I, 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 I'm praying about and I'm going to receive it. You know, but that 25th verse is something that, that should be read as well. And the 26th verse, because it didn't, the statement of what was being said did not stop at the 24th verse. It says, and when you stand praying, forgive. That means you're going to have some compassion. You're going to be merciful as well. If you have ought, you got a problem with anybody. If you, you have a problem with somebody, maybe you're thinking of someone right now that you may have a problem or maybe had a problem with because they did you wrong, you know, and, and uh, in so many ways. The Bible said that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, who wants that? Who wants to walk, exist with unforgiveness in their life? Just like we want forgiveness, we want to be pardoned. We want God to, uh, to, throw our sins away and to blot, uh, blot out our transgressions and, and our name should be written in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life, then we must do the same for others. The Bible tells us in Genesis, it says, Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And here we are after the murder of his brother Abel, your brother, not a stranger, not someone that you just, you got into a fight with, you know, and uh, you know, and things got heated and you took them, you, you won the battle. Your brother. Cain is entreating the Lord. And entreat means to ask something earnestly, deeply, sincerely, even maybe even begged or anxiously, you know, impatiently. I, I need this. I need this. Can I have this intentionally, nervously, you know, seeking the Lord for mercy. Prior to the murder, he committed a, a sacrilege. It, Violation of what was regarded sacred. He was supposed to bring an offering. The Bible said in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. There was a problem with him bringing of the fruit of the ground. The ground had been cursed. The ground was only yielding, was, was barely yielding enough <laughs> to provide strength. It was full of uh, thorns and, and and thistles and, and so because of what Adam neglected to do. Adam neglected to make sure that his that his wife was safe. He allowed someone to whisper in her ear while he was there. It's, it's one thing that, that shenanigans going on when you're not present, but when you are present, it should not be so. 
He brought offering. He bought something from the fruit of the ground. And the Bible says in the fifth verse, but unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain got upset, became very angry, and his countenance failed. He changed his whole demeanor, fell apart because God did not receive what he wanted. Listen, saints and friends, we cannot, none of us can come and bring to the Lord what we want him to accept. We cannot bring and force God to accept anything. It should be of a willing heart, no matter what the day may have been like. And sometimes there are some very, what I refer to as bad heart, hair days. You can't get that stuff to curl. You can't get it to straighten. Uh, the, the humidity has caused it to, to uh, get uh, curly on its own around the, around the edges. You know, they call that nappy. And so you have a bad hair day. Maybe it didn't start out that way, but now it is a bad hair day. And yet we want to present our bad hair day unto the Lord. There's a time for that. There's a time for it, but not every time. How does God want? We have to bring and give him what he wants. And so the seventh verse said, if thou do well, Cain, you have an opportunity to, to, to do a remake. You have an opportunity to do this over again. If thou do well, shalt thou not be accepted? You know this. We know this. And if thou doest not well, sin lies at your door. If I don't do well, if I don't do what's right, if I don't do what I have a clear understanding, I know what to do. If you don't, then the Bible uh, rejects it. God rejects it. Sin lies at the door because we knew and we know better. And so he was very upset. I've learned and believe that uh, this is as factual before the overact, before you even did it, no matter what the act is. Cain already was having some issues. There was something else going on with him. This is why the Lord could remind him and say, shall not thou be accepted? You already know this. So Cain has already acted out. And the scripture does not say this. It doesn't give us these details. But just based upon life experience, the overact, uh, there's a before the overact ever happens, before the crime ever occurs, before the betrayal actually takes place. It's been contemplated for a period of time. They have been walking around thinking about it for a while. They didn't just jump up overnight and say, you know what, I'm going to commit adultery. I'm going to go rob this store. I'm going to hit this person. I'm going to just have road rage and, uh, you know, and, and, and it, no, it, there was a buildup of something. And then the overact took place. Think about your own actions and connect the dots. We're sinners saved by grace. You know where you've been, you know what you've done. And if you like me, you don't like being shamed. And so you stop sinning. 
You realize that hell was real. You stopped sinning. You realize that that there is a land book of life. And if your name is not in it, uh, that you are in eternal trouble. And so you stop sinning. You stop. You stop because of it. You, you got your sins remitted. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new when you through the water baptism in Jesus name. Mighty God, we can think about our own actions, put our uh, put ourselves where we were and have gratitude as well as mercy unto others. Cain said, my punishment is too great. I can't handle that. I can't handle it. Wait a moment. That is too much. Now, maybe you felt that way before facing a situation that you thought was unbearable. Now, I recall as a kid preferring a, a spanking, you know. Yes, I grew up in the air where there was spankings. And so I didn't want to be grounded. You know, I didn't want to be told you cannot go outside. I did not want to be put on punishment. Don't leave the yard. That was like torture. So I would prefer to have a spanking instead of having to be grounded and do a bunch of work, which I was gonna have to do anyway on the weekend or some other time. I didn't want that. I didn't wanna be restricted in that way. Give me a spanking instead. Now, my grandmother, she would, I heard her make the statement about me that, that, that that I needed, uh, I was very proud and, and I needed, needed that proudness knocked out of me. And she didn't use those words, but what she did say was thank him till he cried, <laughs> you know, because he's pretty stubborn. Well, you know, sometime we need to be brought down in order for us to learn the lesson so that God could raise us up. And we know, you know, we know about the looks that our parents could give us and mothers can give you a certain look and you will be rolling your eyes all over the place to avoid making direct eye contact with your mom or your dad or, you know, that parent that was that auntie or someone that you knew you felt them looking at you. And God forbid if you heard your full name called. You know, I was at a, a soccer game and this little girl looked like she was about three years old and she started to run onto the field because she saw the other kids that were about seven, eight years old playing soccer. And and she started to run on the field in the game and her mom immediately called her full name. And, and I, I just smiled and, and laughed within myself because the little girl stopped instantly. She knew what that meant, just like we know what it means to us. It means that we was in trouble. Cain knew he was in trouble. He said, behold, thou has driven me out this day from the face of the earth. And from thy face shall I be hid. That's more importantly, is that, that's more important is the fact that you are separated from God. Now, that's a scary thought. That's a frightening thought. And, and I don't even know how to describe that. Adam was told that in the day that you eat of the fruit, you shall die. And we know that he did not physically die. But 
there was a separation, meaning that death is a separation of you and God. There's something between you and it is sin. It doesn't have to be sin. It doesn't have to be anything there where you're not separated from him. But Cain now has committed murder. Uh, and he's committed this sacrilege and, and he's had this attitude, this attitude, a bad attitude. Mighty God. And from his faith, you've hid me and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that find me is going to slay me. Everyone's going to do their best to take me out. You're taking my rights away. So people feel sometimes when they, they've done things, but they don't want, don't, I don't want chastisement. You've taken my rights away. That's how we think of things. You're, you're thinking about your rights right away, but you know, what about the other person's rights? What about uh, before you even committed, you already knew the consequence or the possibility of the consequences of the behavior? It is our thinking, choices that cause us to lose those rights and privileges. I've lost it. I've lost it. What can be said about that once you have enjoyed the moment of pleasure, you've enjoyed the sin, whatever act it is, it doesn't matter what it has been. When you did it, you enjoyed it. That's why you got involved with it, because you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't get involved with things that you don't enjoy. You don't you don't get you don't tilt it because you enjoy it. You don't light it because you're not enjoying it. You don't. And the list goes on. James one, uh, the beginning at the 13th verse says, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempt he any man. God does not tell us to come out of sin and then dangle sin in front of us to see what we'll do. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, meaning that there are unresolved issues within our heart. When you walk up on someone or if you are doing it and there is something that is, whether you consider moral or immoral or legal or in, illegal, but it's against God, Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, so how are you going to treat the temple uh, of God? You know, and so you walk up on that situation or you're partaker of that situation. And or maybe you're watching someone else partake of the situation. And so you're taking pleasure in another man's sin. So when you're drawn away of their your own lust and entice. Then when lust have conceived, it bring forth sin and sin when it is finished, when sin has had its way with you, it brings forth death. It brings forth death when it had it. And when sin, the principles of sin has had its way with you, then it brings forth death. Cain says from your face, I'm going to be here. I won't see you the way I used to see you. I won't be able to, I won't talk with you and enjoy your presence the way that I did before. And this was all by his choice. I shall be a, a fugitive, a person who is 
escape from one place to another. I'll be running around hiding, especially to avoid persecution of any type, hiding in the shadows for the rest of my life. Man, really? Do I have to do that? Lord, is, is that what, uh, because I've killed my brother, because I, I've committed this sacrifice, that this is what is going to be? I'm, I'm going to be a vagabond? I'm going to be wandering from place to place? I'm not going to have a home or job. I won't be able to be stable. My existence is just uh, until I die is just going to be like that. And the Lord said unto him, wherefore, therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, God's having mercy on him. Would you have had mercy on him? Now, the Bible doesn't even talk about how what um Adam and, and Eve thought about it. This is just between him and God. And that's where everything, uh, that's the bottom line to it. You and God, God and you, man and God, humanity, boy, woman, girl. It's, it's all about what's going to happen between you and God. The Bible says that some man's sins go before them. And that's what we're dealing with right now, our, our sins. We're dealing with our sins right now. We're pushing those sins and those things that we deal with, those those issues. They're, they're no longer unresolved because we're working at them. We're, we're recognizing that, okay, I have a problem in this area and I'm seeking God uh, through the through his word. I'm seeking him in obedience, in obedience. Obedience is not something you pray about. Obedience is something you do. No one prays when it comes to a red light, they pray that they're going to stop. No, you stop because you know the consequence of, of going through that red light. You know the consequence of running that stop sign. You know the consequence of, of showing up to work late or showing up to work intoxicated. You know the consequences of, of all these things. And so you don't do them. Why do we tell God I must or, or tell uh, the minister who, who's talking with you or, or someone that may be witnessing to you that I've got to pray about it. No, you need to just be obedient. Obey, obey what God is saying. The more we practice doing something, the better we become at it. We all know that. Uh, that's not a, a dynamic principle. That's just a, a simple fact. The better, the more we do, the better we become at it. Cain had a very simple request. The Lord said unto him, therefore, uh, whosoever slave Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So Cain is not going to be taken out by anyone. Cain's request was simple, have mercy on me. And he got that mercy. Now, if God gave mercy to Cain, Someone that have committed murder. I want you to think about what God can and will do for you. You haven't committed murder. At least, and if you have, keep it to yourself. I'm just smiling here. You don't have to share your sins and what you've done with other people. You don't have to. Everyone is not there to receive your confession. The minister has an obligation 
the minister, meaning the pastor, has a certain obligation. But there are some things that are even limited there. There are some things that you need to keep to yourself and be obedient. I can't stress obedience enough. Obedience to what God is saying. When we read his word, when we seek him, and this is why it's important to be in a, uh, a Bible-believing church where the power of God is allowed to be displayed. And when I say the power of God, I'm not talking about uh, you running up and down the aisle and doing cartwheels and standing on top of the furniture or anything. I'm talking about obedience. That's power right there. Obedience. Bringing this, bringing our thoughts into subjection and in obedience to the word of God. That's power. That is power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Then we can help someone else to be obedient. The Lord told Peter said, when you've been strengthened, when you've been strengthened, strengthen the brethren. Someone else is going to need some help. They're going to be need some help in knowing how to apply the word of God in their lives. Not just quoting scripture, but how do we apply the word of God in our situations? How do we apply the word of God when we feel distraught? When we feeling down, when things didn't go right, when we having that bad hair day that, that I described earlier, things that got nappy. How do we apply the word of God? How do we stay on track? That's what we need to understand and know. Is it doable? Yes, it is. It is. One of the things that my, my gospel parents taught me Overset Blanche Irving, Elder Robert Irving. They taught me to love good and hate evil. And now, many times we grab hold to the scripture and we're able to quote the scripture, but how do I love the good and hate the evil? Through the years, that was emphasized. It took root. And it took root in me in such a way that my mother saw it. And when she saw it, she followed me to church. When my brother saw it, and they have some stories to tell, <laughs> it followed me to the church. They saw where the application of God's word had been applied properly. My sister, evangelist, working with women in jails and abusive, uh, helping them that are dealing with uh, been in abusive relationships, saw what God had done. Application. Application of how the word of God has been applied in this man's life. It's about how we obey what God is saying. If God says that what you are doing is not acceptable, then we need to change 
and do what is acceptable. That's what Cain did not do. Cain brought from the fruit of the ground, which had been cursed. He could have taken of the fruit of the ground and exchanged it for an offering which was similar to what Abel had, and it would have been received. However, he didn't do that. He got an attitude. People get attitudes and use those excuses to leave the church. I got it. They got attitude with one individual and they use that to, uh, to bounce off of or and next thing you know, you don't see them any longer. Uh, whatever service they was doing, they stopped doing it. You know, God, God's really not worthy of me uh, um, participating in his service. But yet we pray to that same God when we want something. Think about Cain. You need to do well so that you'll be accepted. That, that's what the Bible told you. That's what the Lord is saying. And that's what I'm saying. Mighty God. This simple request, Lord, have mercy on me. And the Lord had mercy on him. He didn't do well, but he still obtained mercy. There was sin that was present and he still obtained mercy from God. Your brother's blood is crying out from the ground to me. The evidence is standing there. And he still received mercy from God. How much more? Bless you, Jesus. You haven't committed the same acts. And if you did, we're reading about someone that did and they obtained mercy from God. There was a murder that was committed and he obtained mercy from God. An attitude displayed with no hesitation and he obtained mercy from God. And now a request for God to be merciful. Man, you got, that's some, and God said, okay. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Now he stood in God's presence and asked this. When you stand in his presence, what are you asking him for? I'm going to stop. But he asked God while he was in his presence. That should tell you something that when you enter into his presence, when you enter into his presence, what are your needs? You can express your needs to him. Sometimes we need to just go into his presence and worship him without asking of anything. And there are other times where he said, cast your cares on me. What is it that's bothering you? You're in his presence. What is it? What is it that's bothering? What is it that's going to make you, uh, you know, make me a better me? You know, what is it that's going to help you be better, a better servant of the Lord? Now, we're not trying to make a husband be better. No, no, work on yourself. The Bible said that the, the sanctified husband, sanctified the wife, the wife sanctified. Be a better you. When you're in his presence, what do you need? What do you need? I'm in your presence. 
Lord, and, and so I'm here in this moment to just worship you. There are other times that I'm in your presence, Lord, and this is this is really bugging me. This is has taken a toll on me, and I need your help so that I can be what you want me to be. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be what you want me to be. Lord, if there's any sin, if there's anything that I've done, said, thought about, meditated on, and that was not right, I want to ask that you would have mercy on me. I want to ask your forgiveness. If I said something, if I did something, if I didn't, if, it, if I committed a sin of omission where I just didn't do nothing, I'm sorry. I'm in your presence and, and I want to be right. Isaiah said that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And he began to confess. He said, man, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I, I'm, I'm, I dwell among the people that are unclean also. So he didn't just tell on himself, he told on everybody. But the focus was really upon him. No excuse. The focus is upon us. It's on us. If you need mercy, if you want mercy from the Lord, ask. Cain asked, Lord, have mercy on me. And the mercy was going to impact whomever he met wherever he went, because the Lord placed a mark upon him. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your this short exhortation. We thank you, Lord God, for all of those that have tuned in and been listening, Lord God, uh, Lord Jesus, and ask that you would bless them. You know each one name by name, Lord God. And, you know, Lord God, you know where they are right now and what their needs are to be met. Lord God, and so we just want to thank you, Lord, for your kindness, Lord Jesus, and how you have blessed each one, Ken, Andrew, Chris, and and, and Lord God, and, and Dane, and Lord God, and Sharice, and, and Rick, and, and, and Gravel, Lord God, we just thank you. We just thank you, Lord, as we touch and agree. Lord Jesus, and ask that you would bless us to walk and be mindful, Lord, of the things that we have heard this evening from your word. Lord God, we pray and ask that you would help us uh, to apply what we've heard. Bless us to apply it, Lord God, not to just think about it and remember it, Lord God, but we want to apply your word, Lord Jesus, because then it's going to be relevant, it's going to help us and is going to help us to help others lord god and so we pray and ask these blessings in the name of jesus lord god we ask that you will continue to watch over and keep us as we leave this place let us not leave your presence in jesus name now may the grace of god and the sweet communion of the holy ghost rest rule and abide henceforth now and forevermore in jesus name amen to go together.